for joining us on another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast. With me, as always, your co-host, Kirk. Hello, hello. And I'm your other co-host, Cam. Back at you this week with a movie review episode. Date of recording is Monday, May 15th. Date of release is probably Thursday, May... December 17th. May 18th? 2025. What? <laughs> no. Not even close. We'll be watching Avatar 4. Three? Three. We'll be watching Avatar 3 on that date, Kirk. We don't have time to release episodes of podcasts. Come on. I just want this thing to become such a machine that we are recording things way before movies are released. We're actually That's just coming. like watching the dailies and yeah. the movies aren't even having release dates. Uh, they're still in production and we've seen the final cut. I would like that to be a thing. In due time, my friend. In due time. Okay. We're getting there. We're, we're ramping right. up to it. I'm your other co-host, Cam. We're back at you. Movie review this week. Uh, Kirk talked over the date that I think this is releasing, which I think will be May 18th, which is Thursday of this week. So hopefully you're listening to it on that day or some later date. We're extremely excited to have you guys with us. The film we're reviewing this week did release to theaters a few weeks ago. Um, so it's not a new release in that sense, but it did what in theaters? Bombed. Like that. It did real bad um, because it decided to go toe to toe with a little movie you may have heard of called the Super Mario Bros. movie. Uh, ever heard of that one, Kirk? Da, 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 da. Yeah. Da. Top five animated film of all time, $1.2 billion in worldwide gross so far. Um, bad choice. Uh, so this week's film uh, <laughs> recently released on Prime Video on May 12th. And we are reviewing it. The film is called Air. It is the story of how Nike snagged Michael Jordan as, you know, the heir to their entire basketball business, if you will. I mean, let's see what you see did See what there. I did there? Pretty I good. I like that. Pretty good yeah. little wordplay for you. It didn't take me long to figure that out. That was right off the dome there. Oh. No big deal. Little, little improvisation or. Little improvisation. That's why they pay me the big bucks, Kirk. Um mm. So we're going to get into it. Uh, we, you know, this is a spoiler-free review, right, Kirk? But when you're reviewing a biopic in which everyone knows the ending, what are you trying not to spoil? I guess you know there are things. Yeah. Perhaps. Yeah, we just won't say Michael Jordan. That should be part of the spoiler. Michael Jordan goes on to win six championships. So that's a spoiler for you. No, I think everybody knows that. Everybody is aware of Michael Jordan being successful. It's not like, well, did he do it? Did he succeed? We, you know, <laughs> we all know. It's kind of like watching the uh, the Williams sisters biopic, which was more, I guess, about their father than anything. But still, um, you know, there's always a Richard. <laughs> there's always a bit. There's always a bit of that. So we will not spoil the the intricate details of the film. Um, all the inner machinations of it, but we will dis we will discuss the film, and I think everyone is aware of the ending. If not, I think we've already spoiled that. So here we are. It's uh, <laughs> there's no going back now. So this is your kind of spoiler free. It's kind of spoiler free. Enter at your own risk. Okay, <laughs> if the terms have been stated. All right, all right, Kirk. This is going off the rails. Let's let's get into it. Kirk, can you give us a brief synopsis for? air yes a great singer once said 
got me out here in the water so deep. Tell me how you're going to be without me. If you ain't here, I just can't breathe. There's no air, no air. Mm. That has nothing to do with this movie. (laughs) Great song, though. But I just think about the word air uh, very frequently. And Air the Film is your favorite corporate biopic this year. It's the retelling of the story of the incredible energy and excitement that Michael Jordan brought to the world. It unites fans and non-fans alike, expressing that instinct may just win over logic. Not all the time, but at the right time. Trust your gut and see this film, now streaming on Amazon Prime. That's right, and this is an Amazon Studios film, um, which I feel like, man, it's, it's been a while since I watched a movie that started with that that very nice Amazon films uh, or Amazon Studios intro. So I was a little, I think, honestly, The Tender Bar, which was also directed by Ben, ben Affleck, might have been the last one that I watched that had that. So oh. um, there we are. Uh, but this is it. This is Air, huge cast of A-listers, A-list director in Ben Affleck, major massive story about a major massive player. It checks all the boxes in terms of appeal. Again, didn't do well in the box office because of the Super Mario Bros. movie, Kirk, but we're going to talk about did it do well in our hearts? That's what really matters, and that's what we're here to discuss, Kirk. We're going to start, as we always do, with and the Oscar goes to, which goes to the best actor in the whole film, Kirk. Who you got? What does it say? I have Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Matt Damon. One of my favorite quotes from Matt Damon recently from an interview is that he he was said, "Who do you get recognized for most? Is it you know Jason Bourne?" <laughs> He's like, "Well, honestly, people come up to me and they run across the street and they yell Matt Damon from Team America." So there's that. <laughs> Love it. Matt Damon, you, you sly dog, you are sometimes crazy. You are sometimes on your, uh, steroid regimen for your next big action flick. And, uh, sometimes just the sweetest man, much like the, uh, what was the film with him? It was a Coen brothers film where he had the informant Mm -hmm. where he had to gain a bunch of weight. Um, he didn't gain as much weight for this one, but by golly, is it fun to see Matt Damon just look like a normal human? being (laughs) i mean i certainly love that so thank you matt damon first of all for committing to the transformation and uh, the second part of this is thank you for just your true authentic self when you study characters you study them to their core you don't necessarily have to focus on uh certain mannerisms some people in history if you're playing a real person it requires that um but in this particular case i don't know what this person's specific ticks are and and what makes them move how they move across a room but i really really enjoyed that while i know that it was matt damon on the screen i really enjoyed losing matt damon uh, regular uh, personas and norms and movements throughout this very good movement, very excellent, uh, slight change of voice and very compelling as he always is. I just loved how heartwarming he was. And I loved his drive to do anything it took to get his dream to come true. I feel like oftentimes I have a little bit of that, of that in me where I have uh, a goal and I'm like, yes, this is what I want. I would love to convey this to everyone. And maybe I don't 
necessarily it's it's unspeakable it's on our it's not able you can't articulate it much like right now you can't articulate the thing that you want to express to the world and yet you're so determined to make sure they hear it you don't stop until they do and then you're like yes you believe in me I loved that drive in in Matt Damon in this film and it's very very exciting and very easy to make this a definite rewatch in the near future Matt Damon you as per usual you win today I love it I love it also Steven Soderbergh on the informant Kirk was the uh was the director there who did I say the Coen brothers the Coen brothers which is close that's fine they're 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 in the same same. in the same neighborhood yeah I'm just I got your back dog thank you I appreciate live fact check there that's how we do it here (laughs) on we don't you don't need to fact check us we'll fact check ourselves in the middle of the episode boom boom gotcha um, love the pick, Kirk. I love it so much that, uh, you know, I'm going with myself, Mr. Matt Damon, as and the Oscar goes to, for me, the best actor in this film. And honestly, Kirk just nailed it, nail on the head. It's it's hard for me to even come up with anything new to say, except for the one thing I will say and um, kind of had me concerned about this movie in the early going, that first scene in Phil Knight's office between Sonny and Phil, which is Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, I was concerned because there's so, we've seen these guys on screen together so much. And at this point in their careers, it really, like, to no fault of their own, it's just, well, that's Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. And I didn't think that scene was their most inspired work either in the movie, to be honest. I thought as the movie went, they really, like, picked up momentum picked up momentum and the nuances of the characterizations of these guys were better. Um, particularly on Ben Affleck's part, I felt like he kind of morphed into um, Phil Knight as the movie went, whereas Matt Damon sort of had a stance from the get go and stuck with it. But by the end of the movie, Kirk, he, he had totally uh, like broken down all the barriers. I was totally vulnerable and, and willing to accept him as a new character because it was just really stunning um, character work. Subtle, too, which is really interesting um, because, you know, sometimes you're cast in a role because you just kind of are like the person. And and Sonny Vaccaro, you know, anytime I've seen interviews or anything like that um, with him or, you know, whenever he's done appearances and the like, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a somewhat normal, unassuming <laughs> kind of character. And so Matt Damon didn't have to do anything transformative for this role, but he did have to convince us that he wasn't Matt Damon. And, um, he does that quicker than you would expect. There's even a few like nonverbal non-dialogue scenes in the beginning where he's, you know, at a casino, uh, playing and things like that. And he's making character choices there in the way that he, um, acts physically and how he carries himself, how he holds himself, etc. That tells you a lot about his character and it's remarkably nuanced and really thoughtful and I give him a lot of credit for that. So I thought it was a great performance. And, um, you know, he has to, he, it's, it's kind of like we talked about this with Tom Hanks. Like he has to overcome the fact that he is a household name. Everybody knows what this guy looks like and sounds like. And he has to convince us that he's not that. So um, he, the fact that he was able to do that quickly. Um, and, and really the only other time that I felt like, oh, that's Matt Damon was that first scene in Phil Knight's office. I have to say that's a, that's a big win. Big win Matt Damon. <laughs> Matt Damon. I love it. All right, Kirk, let's move on to Scene Stealer. Oh, man, so many options here, as usual, with some of these bigger movies. 
Where are you going to go? Where are you going to go for your scene stealer, Kirk? I'm going to go. That's not a bad idea. I just lifted my trophy and I pretended to drink from it, but I'm not totally opposed to that, uh, to go ahead and put it some sort of liquid chalice. in this. Yeah. 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 I'm going to do that next time. So <laughs> I'll probably spill it all over myself and electrify myself with the <laughs> microphone. <laughs> and the Oscar goes to zap. Oh, end of podcast. My scene stealer today goes to Chris Messina, ladies and gentlemen. Chris Messina. This one took me by surprise. Chris Messina, if you've ever seen a guy in a suit yelling at someone else or walking through a hall in a suit on in a film and thinking that and telling you that he's better than you, that's Chris Messina. He's been this person probably 30 times in his career so far. And Literally until this moment, I was just kind of like bored with his performance. I'm like, yep, he's getting the job done. Awesome job. You came, you came to play. Let's, let's move on. Like they were all throwaway characters, but something, something very specific was written about this role that led itself to almost a a Jerry Maguire uh, level of character. Uh, And it was very much a bigger range than it has ever been written for Christmas Cena before. And he really did step up to the plate for this. I really enjoyed how unpredictable he was in a very predictable type of role. And of course you see him, you see the suit. He's a broker of some kind. Okay. He's the manager. Again, I've seen it a hundred times with Christmas Cena. I was really, really, really proud of him. Like my son (laughs) to see him really bring this character to life uh, because we come back to this character over and over again and there's a sense of conflict that keeps rising and falling and there's also this playfulness uh, in kind of tricking Chris Messina's character into getting having Sonny get what he wants uh, throughout the entire uh, attempt at getting the, the contract deal with this, this uh, rookie, Michael Jordan. So I really, really enjoyed Chris Messina. He gets the win for me tonight. I love that pick. I wasn't expecting that pick from you, and um, I think it's great. I, I wholeheartedly agree with your your sentiment there. The analysis is on point, so good stuff. My scene stealer will be much less of a surprise to, to anyone listening, and that's because it's going to the queen, Viola Davis. I I mean, it's, it's no secret if you listen to this podcast, I'm such a huge fan of Viola Davis. I think she's quite possibly the greatest living actor um, out there right now. It'd be hard to create, it'd be hard to develop a, a compelling argument to the contrary. I think there are a few people that fall into that category. She is most certainly one of them. Um, she plays Dolores Jordan, Michael Jordan's uh, mother in this film, who is a, a massively pivotal role in the film. Um, if you're familiar with Michael Jordan, uh, if you've watched uh, the, the, documentary on ESPN about Michael Jordan or any other information about him. Um, there's been so much good Michael Jordan content over the years as he's one of the, one of the greatest athletes of all time and certainly the greatest basketball player of all time. Um, this character, what I love about this and what I love about Viola Davis's performance in this, um, first of all, she was hand chosen by Michael Jordan, which is just the coolest thing ever. Uh, he was not, you know, he had to be involved in, the rights for this story because it, I mean, it effectively is his story as well as Nike's story. Um, you know, cause he's, he's sort of a central role in it. Uh, the whole plot revolves around him, but he, he didn't really 
consult much on the film other than to say that he wanted Viola Davis to play his mother in the film, and that request was gladly granted by Ben Affleck and the and the studio behind this film. So that's just awesome. Uh, Viola Davis in this role, the best thing about it is how understated it is, just quite simply. Um, she's a powerhouse actor. You know this if you've seen her in really absolutely anything. Um, 100% a powerhouse. But she wanted to learn about who this character what you know, who this character is, um, who she was at that time as a mother, as a, as a leader of her family, and to make sure that it was an accurate portrayal. And there's, there could be a lot of, um, there's a lot of actors out there, I think, who would have come into a role like this knowing they're not going to get um, a huge amount of screen time or a huge amount of spoken dialogue and try to have their Oscar moment and try to be over the top and to drive home one particular thing and have their big scene. Uh, and she didn't. Uh, she, Viola came in. She understood the character. She played it accurately. She gave it, she played it understated and just, you know, brought forth this character who had such a calm demeanor, such a maternal um, demeanor and just totally showed out as this fierce, but very stoic um, female leader of her family and advocate for her family and her son. And I just loved everything about it. I thought it was beautiful. There's one scene in this movie um, the first scene that Matt Damon and Viola Davis share that is just electrifying. And it's funny to use that word to describe it because both of them are so even keeled during that discussion, but it's great because the micro uh, expressions and, and the tone of their voice and, and the way that they manage the space between words and, and the open air, all of it is just so such a beautiful acting uh, masterclass going on between those two both very high-profile actors, and I just loved it. So Viola Davis, the queen stays queen, and uh, we will all be seated every time she is on the screen, no doubt. <laughs> yes. Yes. You rhymed there. Uh, that was impressive. Just like, again, <laughs> off the dome. This is... Thanks, man. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling it tonight. I'm going to do a freestyle rap at the end of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give you three words. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't Harry Mack me. I can't do it. I can't do it. Oh, goodness. Showstopper time. Yeah, let's get into this movie, Kirk. What, what, what do you think? We got director Ben Affleck in the director's chair once again. Um, Academy Award winning. Not as a director, but, you know, he won an award for Argo as an executive producer. So, what do you think? Showstopper. This one, I have to tell you, there's a 45-minute backstory to this, so strap in, everybody. Um, what's really cool about this movie altogether is that Matt Damon and Ben Affleck have finally put their money together into a production company. Uh, so, they finally formed it. It's called Artists' Equity. And their mission with this production company is that they want to partner with filmmakers and empower creative vision and broaden access to profit participation. So if you listen to our episode earlier this week, we're obviously covering the WGA writer's strike. And this allows for everyone to get a piece of the pie, at least on the film side of things which is fantastic. Um, you know, you have different tiers, obviously, who different commitment levels. 
and it's there's a buy-in value. There's uh, you've got skin in the game versus having to be in this industry and only be a producer to get skin in this game. It's quite fantastic. And what speaks to the collaboration and the camaraderie with that are the the little moments, the little scenes in this where the spectacle is stripped away, and we get two characters chatting together at a table. Uh, one scene in particular, very similar to that, is also Matt Damon and Viola Davis. It's near the end of the film. Uh, they're talking about the potential contract. They're going back and forth. And there is such sincereness to this phone conversation that I was just completely enamored with it. In that Viola Davis, there is nothing that's going to raise her blood pressure, her heart rate. No matter what Sonny is saying on the other side of that phone call, she will not be stirred. She is just super calm and she has clarity on what she needs uh, for her as a character, what she needs for her son as a character, and how she's going to get it. And you see Sonny on the other end of it trying to put the pieces together. And then all of a sudden he has clarity like, yeah, I, be I believe so much in this. Why not believe a little bit more? I just absolutely jaw dropped, heart exploding, full of warmth when I watched this scene. And it truly is the, the epitome of a showstopper description. So that scene right there. Nice. I love it. I love that you brought that up. Um, about artist equity and kind of how this went down. I'm, I'm going to butcher this because I read this story a long time ago when the film released, but um, I think it might've been the, the, the person who's credited as the main writer on this film, Alex Convery, who um, he said this, I think this is one of the first like major scripts that of his that has gotten picked up by um, a studio. In fact, yeah, it's his only writing credit. Yep. Right. And he was working with Ben Affleck and he was on set and they, you know, him and you know Ben Affleck and Matt Damon and everybody involved is sort of rewriting this screenplay on the fly. And this whole time, this guy's thinking, oh man, I'm going to get pushed out of this project. And he was like, you know, they're making it better. I didn't disagree with the choices they're making, but Ben Affleck just was like, listen, this is your, this is your script. We're going to work through this together. You're going to still get your credit. There's tons of people who helped us out along the way, me and Matt, when we were young writers, and we're not forcing you out of this movie, and yada, yada, yada. And I just thought that was such a cool story because I think on a different project, on a high-profile movie like this about, you know, high-profile script, you know, it's about Michael Jordan, it's got all these big actors, that guy would have been uh, in the special thanks or something, you know what I mean? Right. And Original instead, story by, yeah. <laughs> right, but instead he's the writer, the sole writer on the film. No writing right. credit for Ben Affleck or Matt Damon or whatever, just that guy, and I thought that that was um, uh, really awesome, really awesome. So Indeed. kudos to those guys. Um, good showstopper. All right, for my showstopper, I'm going to go with a few. Uh, there, there was a decision in this movie. I don't consider this a spoiler, Kirk, let me know. Let me know if you do, and maybe we can like edit it out, and I can start over. What happened? Hold on. You? Turn your turn your mic off and <laughs> uh, text me like a, a three minute video, and then we'll we'll turn everything back on. What do you think about that? Yes, great idea. That's perfect. <laughs> no, but I, there there was a decision made in this movie that I thought was a bold decision, and that was to not to not show Michael Jordan at all um, from the front. It, his face is never shown. I don't consider this a spoiler. I don't know. It's not like 
plot relevant per se. Um, so it doesn't really give anything away, but they never show his face. Never show him. He's in the room multiple times. They talk to him. Uh, you never hear his voice. You never see his face. And I thought that was a bold choice, but I thought it was the right choice because while this is his story, it's also not his story. It's a story about him, but it's about how this deal came together around him and around his likeness. And they knew that if they showed someone on screen, everybody knows what Michael Jordan looks like. Everybody knows what Michael Jordan sounds like. They know, we know Michael Jordan. And if this person came on the screen and didn't exude that essence, it would distract from it. And if he was on the screen and only had a couple of lines of spoken dialogue, it would distract from it. So in order to make this film the best version of itself, they had to make sure not to include him in the movie, which seems like a absolutely bananas decision to make, but it was the right one. Um, And I think by the time I got to the end, I was like, wow, they actually did it. And I was... I was thankful for that choice because I just really thought it helped to keep the story in focus and not distract or detract or, you know, they would have had to build out so much more because you can't have someone of the caliber of Michael Jordan, who's this amazing storied athlete, someone, again, A-list, legacy, everybody knows this guy. You can't have somebody in your movie who's that big and not like, give them their time of day. So instead they chose to not include him in the movie, which uh, was just crazy. But I thought that was really smart. Um, and that goes into the other part, which is the writing. I thought, I thought the dialogue was spot on with this movie. So glad they went with the R rating actually um, because the use of, of foul language in a corporate environment is uh, a necessary authentic bit that needed to be there. In my opinion, um, it would have taken me out of it if these guys weren't conversating in a way that um, you would expect in a corporate environment in the 80s, in a competitive setting, etc. Sports business is exceptionally competitive, and I, I can say that because I, I, I did go to school for sports business. I've worked in the industry. I'm familiar with how it goes. These are often people who are former athletes or current athletes that you're dealing with, extremely competitive people, tempers fly, the stakes are high, everybody wants to win, 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 kill, 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 and choosing to make it R-rated instead of going with like the dollars factor and making it PG-13 for mass audiences just added such a layer of authenticity. Um, And... I also loved in the screenplay how they used Nike's tenets of what they're about to um, guide the story almost like chapter headings so that you could kind of get a sense of what they were trying to show. That was a really cool way to do that. And I, um, if you know anything about Nike, they are all about storytelling. That is like the core, core belief of, they believe they are storytellers first and consumer goods company second. Um, they're all about telling the story of athletes and they, they think everyone is an athlete um, at different stages of their athletic life cycle. Um, and so this was a very Nike way to tell this Nike centric story. And I thought that that was really crafty. I thought the screenplay was really, really well done. The dialogue was authentic, tight, um, all killer, no filler, uh, just really good. So, um, those are my two showstoppers for this film. 
All right, I Kirk. disagree. I think they should have shown Michael Jordan's face, but de-aged. I think it should have been Michael Jordan <laughs> himself. They 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 deep fake de-aged Michael Jordan in there. Yeah, that <laughs> wouldn't right. have been distracting. I don't think that would have been distracting at all, Kirk. Yeah, and I also would have preferred him yelling at them, like trying to get a better <laughs> deal, saying, you dirtbags, I want more money now. You dirty dogs, give me my money. Yes. Yeah, 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 I, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, making pirate noises. Um, just really acting greedy, twisting, twist, twisting his, his mustache. <laughs> I ended up making like a Mr. Krabs noise there because I was thinking money. Um, oh man. All well, good choices. Just, all good creative choices there, Kirk. I, like I should have saved this for my director's shoes. I, yeah. I guess I'm just, hey, I know you're, talking. you need to bury the lead Kirk on that note. Where are you going with your director's shoes? What advice would you give to Mr. Ben Affleck? This one's difficult. My, my biggest gripe with Ben Affleck in this movie is that there wasn't a lot of energy from his character. Um, he's probably spot on, but we just needed some, I needed Ben Affleck to lie to me a little more because I don't, I don't believe him as that character as, uh, as your boy. Is it Phil Knight? Is that correct? Yep, Uncle Phil, Uncle Phil, Uncle Phil. I, I just, I could see it in, in the makeup and the swagger, but just in the energy uh, it let me down and that can definitely and easily happen when you're sitting in the director's shoes and when you're also a character in the film I highly recommend not to do it uh, if you can avoid it um, some movies it works out exactly as it should in this one Ben it did not I wish you would have uh, let someone else play that role sorry to say it other than that I really just uh, found few flaws with this movie to even call out to even say, oh, that, I can't believe that that was there and this was here. I think that the the playfulness with the characters was genuine. I think that the, <laughs> the phenomenal uh, Chris Tucker, which just barely just didn't get that, uh, that show, um, that scene stealer. Uh, I'm just excited for every time I see him on the screen anymore past uh, rush hour. Anything that he, he brings to life on film, is really exciting past that era of his life. And I I kid you not, I think we're going to see uh, a Chris Tucker win, a, win an Academy Award for something real soon. So really, the, it's really just a love fest that I have for this film and the director's shoes are, anything else is just, I don't know, uh, benign is not the right word, but is, is just uh, asinine. Uh, there's really no point to call little tiny things out because cohesively, this is a solid piece. Yeah, I thought Chris Tucker should have been nominated for Silver Linings Playbook. I think you could have made an argument yes. for that. There were so many good performances in that movie, but he was so funny in that, in that yes. movie. And that was, I thought that was going to be the beginning of the Chris Tucker renaissance there. And yeah, I mean, I like your Phil Knight notes. I agree on Ben Affleck um, wholeheartedly. It's not that, yeah, it's just, it was inconsistent, I think, a little bit, mm -hmm. and just a little bit. Slightly uninspired, so I, I echo that completely. I think for me, uh, similar director shoes, but really just like big thing is it's too formulaic. The biopics these days they're they're too they're too formulaic. They follow the same structure, um, and that just is not really exciting. Like if you're telling a story where people know the ending, there has to be a hook. There has to be something there that's juicier. And I was excited at the beginning because they were kind of getting into um, the market share, you know, you know, Nike, like uh, kind of like hockey sticking their market share because of 
because of Michael Jordan and things like that. I just wish they had gotten a little bit more into the business side. Like we kept feeling like, oh, there's all these high stakes because of the board. They're a publicly traded company, blah, 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 blah. Um, it would have been nice to feel that a little bit more. In fact, I didn't feel anything in this movie is really where it was at. Like this movie checks so many boxes, like you said, Kirk. I mean, it's just like, Great acting performances, well-casted, really well-written. The dialogue was superb. Um, the period elements of it in terms of the set design, costume design, etc., um, just all very solid and, and just really well done. You can see why this would be you know, kind of an awards contender because it has very few flaws. But it's almost too perfect in a way. You know, it just almost makes you... Do, it, it's it sticks so closely to the formula and it fails to do anything that's really to just move you in your core. Um, the story is, is cool. It's a really cool story, but it's not like a compelling story. Sonny's story, and he's ultimately the main character of this thing, isn't the most compelling human story to just kind of drive you, at least for me personally. It just didn't make me feel anything on an emotional level i was entertained for sure but i don't think i felt anything on an emotional level and there's a few points in this movie that where they try to interject that here and there sometimes it feels a little clunky um but mostly mostly pretty good the other thing about this movie was that at times for me it felt a little claustrophobic like we're getting a little too much of the Nike office and not enough other places. There were a few set pieces that were set outside and they do a decently good job of mixing it up, but it just didn't feel like there wasn't enough dynamic contrast in, in the film to really make it feel like I think of a good, a good biopic or like um, would be like Moneyball. Moneyball to me is like a gold standard in sports biopic. Um, it's a unsung story, something that people aren't familiar with. They've got all these different textures and feels of the stadium field, the locker rooms, everything they're doing. They create all these different feels and aesthetics with that film that I felt like could have a similar approach could have been created here to make it feel a little bit less stodgy and uh, claustrophobic. So those are my two nitpicks about this movie. Very nice. Good, all right, uh, Kirk. Good picks of nits. Yes. Thanks, man. You got it. Somebody's got to do it. You know, it's just mm -hmm. it has to be done. And, and we'll do it every week. So if you're <laughs> if you've listened to this far, <laughs> we will find something bad to say about a movie. We will find it. If there's something bad to be said, it will be said here. We will uncover it. So we'll turn <laughs> over every stone for you. We will. We will. All right, Kirk. <laughs> Final thoughts and scores on Air. Air is the movie that you show your kid when they're ready to see their first R-rated movie. <laughs> <laughs> that is so accurate. I love because that. Because there's nothing nasty in it. Uh, there, even, even in the language, you can, you can watch some shows that never have any explicit graphic things, but the language can get pretty course this one is not uh, just as cam said it's it's big business arguments and when they're talking to each other they're just they're just they can't control themselves it's it's strictly instinctual those those words those letters those fricatives as they are they they just come out um for better or for worse and yeah i feel like this would be a movie that i'm just gonna continue just pin it and say to my son asher now that you're 17 it's time to watch 
Air with Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, Chris Tucker, Viola Davis, and Jason Bateman. <laughs> and I think it'd be a good time. It's it's a good introduction to to what kids uh, should be watching uh, in the world. Um, I, I really enjoyed this movie. Cameron also nailed it when he stated that there's not, you don't yourself, uh, there's no, there's no real audience surrogate uh, in the film, uh, meaning that there's no one in the movie that is supposed to be you except for Sonny. Sonny is a big reflection on that. However, it doesn't quite get there because of all of the different circumstances that he is going through. There's too many that are not relatable, uh, which is not bad. It just doesn't make the feelings pour out of your soul when you're watching this film, uh, which is also just fine it's it's just it's so well constructed it's so well written it's so well acted that you don't get bored at any moment of this movie which we need movies like this we need them please i've seen so many that i just i want to regret and i do regret (laughs) this movie gets a high score not a perfect score it's hard to put all the the fine the finite details to it it's one of those we've had one recently uh but this one gets an 8.6 out of 10 kernels today i like it uh and i forgot to mention because you're man that that point about this being the first r-rated movie is is so i love that it's so on point it's so funny to me um (laughs) Because it's, you know, my parents would say things like, well, you never need to see an R-rated movie. But if you do, <laughs> you know, it's like a very parent it's a very parent thing to say. I think you'll find that maybe they don't edify your being as much as you thought, whatever. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> things parents say, but then they also, you know, like my parents watch a lot of like R-rated stuff too, what have you. Um, yep. yep. The best movies are R-rated. That's just a fact. And this movie would be a great introduction. You're you're right on the money. But what I was going to say about the language earlier that I forgot until you were talking about it is that the contrast of Viola Davis's character and the Jordans not using that language is is also a really nice writing tool that they use. So yes. I'll just tack that on to my final thoughts and scores as I jump into it here. Um, man, this movie... it. It's a good movie. It's it's really well done. It's it's actually it's actually a great movie. I think it's um it's compelling from from a story perspective in terms of you want to know the details of how this went down. And and sure we all know the ending, but we do want to know the details and this movie does a really solid um, you know, solid to great job of exploring those details. And Sonny Vaccaro is a great character with a great story. It just is not the most um, human emotional story. It's not the most like moving story. It's just one that you're like, oh, that's a cool character. That's interesting. I think you know ultimately that ultimately that's what kind of comes down to it for this movie is that it, it is a it is a entertaining movie about entertaining people in an entertaining set of circumstances. But it's not necessarily one that. Um, is going to hit you on a deeper level or, or make you feel things about yourself or make you introspect, um, which I like to do. I like for a drama or uh, particularly a biopic because I'm like, why are you telling this story otherwise? I like for those types of movies to make me look inward and to think about things and for them to stick with me. This movie, it just checks so many boxes, but it, it, it fails to kind of cross that threshold, which again is fine. It was a creative choice and one they made, and I think that that's fine. Um, so at the risk of rambling on anymore, I think I'll just, I think I'll just cut it off and say that this movie is an eight. If there ever was one, 
just a flat 8.0. And so that, that's where I'm pegging it. Bang, right on the money, 8.0. This is like the most 8 of an 8 for me. And I would I would tell, and that's not a bad thing. Like that's, right, right. 8 is an excellent score. But if somebody ever asked me like, what is a perfect 8 movie? This is right on the money, right on the money. Um, so kudos to them. Great score. I expect, uh, depending on how the rest of the year unfolds, and by all means, it appears to be a pretty competitive year. This one could get some play, Kirk. What do you think? Oscars award season? You think it could get some play? Oscars for sure. Um, I don't know that anyone gets nominated, though. But the film could, couldn't it? Who? The film itself. The film itself could, absolutely right? could. Like, could, very... Couldn't you see it like that 9-10 Oscar yeah. spot, the Ford versus Ferrari slot? Like, <laughs> that's right there, yes, man. That's right true. there. It's true. That's another eight right there. <laughs> that is, sure. that is. And I gave it a nine and I hate myself for it, but that is an eight. That movie is an eight. Oh yes. Cameron <laughs> listens back to every episode. I do. Like, he, he doesn't do anything else. He doesn't talk to his family. He just has the <laughs> podcast playing and, and when we're off the screen here and off mic. And he says, Oh no, why, why an 8.4? Why did I give Enola Holmes two and nine? What am I doing? What have I done? It's true. This is actually true. The no lies detected Kirk, no lies detected at all. <laughs> Oh, man, I love it. Um, well, if you watched Air this weekend, be sure to share your thoughts with us or anytime if you saw it in theaters, if you were one of the 10 people who actually saw it in theaters. First of all, thank you for doing that, and thank you for supporting cinema. <laughs> Second of all, uh, let us know your thoughts on it. I saw this movie, after being released on Prime Video, shot up to number eight on IMDb's um, most popular films of the week. Right behind a man called Otto. What in the world? Huh. How? No. I don't understand. I guess it's on Netflix now. So Netflix Army went and watched a man called Otto in in great numbers. So good for them. Good job at Netflix algorithm. But yeah, it seemed like this movie got a nice little bump from Prime Video. So if you watched it, let us know your thoughts. Yes. Anything else, Kirk? Before we let the people go. Well, I mean, just look for me in my uh, my Fast and the Furious tank top for next week. Oh, I plan. yeah. I'm waffling between just wearing it for the podcast or uh, wearing it to the theater. <laughs> I have, or both. I have promised that I would wear it to the theater, and I think I have to keep that promise. <laughs> I agree. Uh, I wholeheartedly agree. <laughs> <laughs> I just fear the, the pictures that will be out <laughs> in the public media. <laughs> Listen, you have a you have a few days left to spray tan, Kirk. So you can you can get on that now. Get some bronzer action going. Also, the UV index has been a little high this week. You could do it on your own. I'll just, just be red from sunburn, <laughs> dude. That'll make it even better if you could just cook up a nice farmer's tan and then or farmer's burn and then put on the tank top for Fast X. That would be so awesome. Yeah, I'm just uh, I'm excited to see the faces uh, at the movie theater who have come to kind of recognize us. Not like totally but they're like yeah you're a regular uh suddenly see me in this tank top <laughs> getting my popcorn and sodi uh oh, man i love it sitting for a three-hour car ride espionage movie <laughs> injected into my veins man that's this is what i need that's in fact that's the only way i'll i'll go to the movie there's that's the only way um <laughs> i will actually be out of town this weekend so i don't know when we're gonna see fast x but we will be reviewing it on next week's episode next week's releases so be ready for that the fast x review will happen i'm not um, going to this movie alone in my tank top no no certainly not certainly not certainly you're not. my so. security so i don't get beat up so that's you. right we'll make it happen 
Um, so stay tuned for that, which should be a fun time. But until then, we'll leave you with the harmonic sounds of rhetoric, as well as a thank you to our executive producer, Ryan Spriggs. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you all next time. Talk to you then. Talk to you then.